Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, you found us. This is Off Leash with Eric Prince. I'm Mark Serrano. As you know, you can now find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Rumble. Rumble's been a great partner for us thus far and is really pushing out uh, our show. Uh, also YouTube and so forth. You can find us across podcast platforms. This is the place you want to be to learn what's happening in the world right now and the United States national interest that's involved because we're talking to the foremost expert on most of these issues, my colleague and co-host, Eric Prince. Eric, thanks for joining us from uh, a uh, location unknown. Mark, thanks for being here. Yeah. So, uh, look, this is a really, really important discussion we're about to have. So focus in, everybody. Uh, Eric has just come from Israel. And naturally, Eric, you know, you've got vast experience. You've been in war zones. You've been in some of the greatest conflicts in American history. Uh, for, through your eyes, we want to learn what took place, why, what's happening on the ground now, uh, I know that you've got a lot to share. And look, you you texted me the other day for you to say, you know, that you can't unsee tragedies beyond the wildest imagination was very, very significant to me because of your expertise and background. So start from the beginning with your, your visit there to Israel for us. Uh, got in there uh, late last week. And uh, of course, we're greeted by rockets, and uh, it, it's really a, it's an amazing vibe you see on the streets because people will be at restaurants, and then you'll hear the sirens going off, and people have the apps on their phone, and it tells them uh, where the rockets are landing and where to watch out for, and um, most of them are quite blasé to it, and they uh, they keep doing it until the the alarm goes off for their area, and then everybody, very slowly and calmly, gets up, walks to the bathrooms of the restaurant. Everybody huddles in, uh, cracks a few jokes. People take their dogs with them, and then they walk back out a few minutes later. But it's and, presumed uh, that those are rocket attacks, right, Eric? Those are presumed oh, to be no. rocket attacks? There are rocket attacks. We could hear yeah. the booms. We could hear the intercepts. Uh, we could actually hear uh, rockets from Iron Dome being fired to intercept. We could actually hear some of the ground impacts for the ones that uh, that hit empty fields. So it's uh, it's very real, and, uh, and what an amazing system that is but it's it's almost too good of course you wanted to be a hard which part of the country you were in at that time uh that was right in tel aviv okay and but the thing is imagine if the united states imagine if san diego were taking rocket fire consistently from tijuana what do you think the u.s government would do would we build a system that would catch 90 percent of the rockets um, or would you go and clean out the nest of people that were firing rockets at you? Mm-hmm. So this idea, people demanding a ceasefire and all the rest, look, uh, when I say 
you can't unsee. I, I saw some of the some of the video, the 37 minutes of video that the IDF has collected from GoPro videos of these Hamas psychopaths. And um, I watched it on the way in the car as we're going down to the southern part uh, to try to see and learn and see uh, how how things can be uh, improved and help out. Um, seeing um, the after effects of a baby, a little infant, put into an oven while the mother watches, held at gunpoint, oh. and they cook the baby and proceed to rape the mother and execute the father. Animals don't do that. To say those are animals, do that. No, I've never, animals don't do that to other animals or to people or anyone. That is just, it is not, um, it is pure, pure, unadulterated evil. Animals, and, uh, animals are predatory for survival purposes, right? This was correct. Uh, barbaric. So what happened was uh, 4,000 Hamas breached the fence, the Gaza fence, the east side and the north side in 30 different places. They had managed to kept t- t- testing the assumptions and, uh, and building rhythms. And they even left a bulldozer up near the fence and they left it overnight. I think they, they faked a, a breakdown of the bulldozer. Um, again, 30 breach points. They rolled through on motorbikes, uh, vehicles, and... So that um, fence was not being guarded. It was being guarded. The fence was... Uh, it was a very expensive, multi-multi-billion dollar, all kinds of sensors mm-hmm. with remote weapon stations, remote control fire, and all the rest. And, and it's very dangerous to assume t- your technology is going to save you. The more... Uh, you try to secure a border solely with technology and physical barriers, someone's going to find a way to breach it. And that's exactly what Hamas did. They used uh, many of the lessons that are happening in uh, a Russia-Ukraine war or that ISIS used uh, even in Syria, using grenade, using a drone to drop a grenade on those various weapon stations, which cleared it off. They knew um, where the border posts were uh, manned by uh, Israeli conscripts, most of them females. They knew exactly where they were and uh, how to hit them. And they hit them very, very quickly. The really sad so with thing- So 30 breach points, how did, they, how did they exploit those to achieve the, uh, uh, you know, the, the murderous rampage that they did? They flooded the zone very, very quickly. And um, the, the, the shocking, sad thing is that the head of the Shabak, uh, the, which is the Internal Security Service of Israel, went to his office at 1.30 in the morning, about five hours before the attack, because of, apparently, signals intelligence, just uh, noise, noise in the system that didn't make sense. And he came and um, um, evaluated it. I understand he talked to the, um, the chief of staff of the, uh, of the armed forces, and they didn't really do anything. They didn't call a general mobilization. They didn't call the troops to wake up. I mean, it was a holiday weekend. It was like uh, Christmas or Fourth of July or one of the kind of the uh, sacrosanct holidays in America. 
uh, and they didn't do anything. Now the head it of Shabbat got to be the 50 year anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. So I, exactly, it, it and, wasn't and, and, a regular. And, and again, it's it's sobering that the um, Islamic terrorists really take these dates and these anniversaries very seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, September 11 was chosen because it was the anniversary of breaking the siege uh, of really the last um, the last crusade that the Turks that the Ottoman Empire did when they uh, encircled Vienna. I think it was uh, 1683. Uh, again, a great story. Look it up sometime. But um, they chose September 11 because it was that anniversary. They chose this because it was a 50-year anniversary of uh, the Yom Kippur War, and uh, Hamas had their way. So the Shabak had sent two security teams uh, south. Um, one of them, thank God, blocked a traffic circle uh, coming north out of the Gaza Strip. And there's a, there's a fairly major city of 400,000 people called Ashkelon, uh, just north of the Gaza Strip. And this 10-man security team killed over 200 jihadis. And they fought literally to the last man. Nine out of those 10 guys were killed, but they held. And by doing that, by holding off 200-plus jihadis and preventing them from going into a town of 400,000, I bet you they saved thousands more. But that's very significant because their target was north. Yes. Whereas most of the penetration took place along the fence on the south side of, of Gaza, correct? And they went after small, relatively uh, harmless, small concentrations of, of these kibbutzes. But getting into a town, into apartment buildings, et cetera, of a, of a city of 400,000 people, they would have really wreaked havoc. And I think it's important to ask yourself, why did they kill 1,400 people on October 7? Because they didn't know how to kill 1.4 million or 14 million. And it's not just Jews that they killed. They killed even the Thai farm workers and brutalized them as well, chopped their heads off, gutted them, just unhuman, satanic, barbaric horrific behavior. Now there these is no are apology. The- and, and, and so the, the apologists that immediately rise up and say, ah, ceasefire and, and all the rest. Look, there was thousands of Palestinian civilians that followed in Hamas that participated in the looting, rape, murder, and mayhem as well. Thousands. So hold on, let me stop you there. These were not Hamas combatants primarily that went through those 30 breaches? These were citizens 4, 4,000 Hamas, 4,000 Hamas, and a lot of other civilians just joined in. Because I'm sure, obviously, Hamas kept it secret enough that they managed to, to, to conduct this level of surprise attack, but a lot of other um, ravenous um, civilians joined on and hit a lot of those local kibbutzes. And they were stealing tractors and cattle and killing people and, uh, and taking hostages and all the rest. So, so when it, you went south, the, when you traveled south from Tel Aviv, tell us what else you personally witnessed and observed that that uh, hasn't been reported yet. Um, so as Hamas rolled into these towns and uh, and started moving north, the, all, a lot of them set up and just ambushed and slaughtered cars of of individual uh, Israelis that were responding. Soldiers would get an alert and they start moving and. Um, and they get ambushed driving their civilian vehicle by uh, 10, 20, 30 uh, Hamas guys along the side of the road. So I understand the roads were littered 
with bodies and with vehicles of these ambush sites for miles and miles before you get even get to Gaza. There were bases that were, um, some of them were overwhelmed and overrun completely, ending it, resulting in death or uh, kidnapping, uh, taking prisoner of, uh, of the IDF soldiers. There were other bases, like the, we actually visited um, one of the main bases that had been partially overrun, and it was, it was so bad that they actually called close air support from uh, Apache gunship, and it fired a, a Hellfire missile into buildings uh, to clean it out. So it was um, sobering. Uh, it's a great lesson because not all the kibbutzes were overrun. The few that had diligent home guards, that had people that immediately uh, could turn to, that could get to their weapons and put on any kind of a coordinated defense, that they could stop the momentum of the uh, uh, the terrorists, they lived, they survived. It was only the towns, the villages, the mashabs, um, that where they they could overwhelm and they dominated, that's, that's where the real slaughter took place. So it is a fierce reminder of why the Second Amendment, why the founding fathers of America were so damn smart that they said, People need to have the means and the right to defend themselves, and that's still going to be a debate inside Israel because they still don't really embrace a Second Amendment society. They've, they've increased the, the arming of anybody that's, um, that's in reserve status now, um, and there's like 250,000 applications for more permits, but um, it's… Uh, 250,000 applications. I'm shocked that those permits aren't just checkmarked at this point based on the siege that that uh, Israel just suffered and the fact that they're in the midst of this war with Hamas. I just saw a video of a couple of girls in a, in a shopping mall with firearms strapped to their back. Uh, they may be reservists perhaps, you know? Yes. But, yeah. So you know. again, if they're, if they're reservists or in an off duty capacity, they are, uh, they are definitely gunned up. Um, but again, for the people in their homes, so they've, they've evacuated a lot of those people from the South and even from the North, um, and put them in hotels until this is uh, it's, this is all stabilized. But it's um, it was a very sobering visit. Look, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. Uh, this is an incredible eyewitness report from uh, from our friend Eric Prince, who's still on the road. Uh, and uh, we're just gonna take a quick break. But you got to stick with us and come back because we got more to report from Israel right after this. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged app bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we're back. We're off leash with Eric Prince. Eric, of course, coming uh, into us from, uh, from the road over the UP Messenger on the unplugged phone, which you can see is uh, operating fantastic. Uh, if you want to pre-order yours, you got to go to unplugged.com slash offleash and get your UP phone from Unplugged. Look, right now, what is uh, being reported out of Israel uh, is a tremendous pressure, diplomatic pressure on Israel for a ceasefire. Now, Hamas has got 240 uh, prisoners, Israelis, Americans, and Reportedly, of those even, 240... Even, even 10 Russians. 10 Russians. So of the 240, reportedly there are 100 women and children. And yet, Eric, what I'm hearing is this pressure for a ceasefire, this pressure for a prisoner swap. Uh, and and what, what I'm hearing in the reports this week is, all right, uh, Israel will get back 70 women and children. And then this morning, the report is, well... They're negotiating on getting back 50 women and children, which is blows my mind that they're forced into this position, including from the uh, international community, to cut a deal, have a ceasefire, allow Hamas to rearm, to regroup during that ceasefire, obviously. Um, and yet we would not, with such a deal, get all the women and children back or all the hostages back. So you were just in Israel. You're reporting with your eyewitness account. Tell us about the ground offensive and what you're hearing is happening right now. Look, uh, urban combat is the worst of the worst, and especially urban combat against an enemy that's been preparing, planning on doing this level of provocation um, to, er, to, to gain this kind of response. So Hamas knew that this kind of fight would be coming to them. They knew it would be endangering Palestinian civilians. Don't tell me I will refuse to listen to this idea that um, Hamas cares for their citizens. It's absolute nonsense. No, they, the Israelis, they, they the IDF care more for Palestinians in Gaza than Hamas does. That's clear based on their actions. Sure. And, and you see it now. The Shifa Hospital is a big hospital in the northwest side of Gaza City. And uh, the Israelis are pressing on taking it. And sure, as they go, they find... Um, Weapons factories in schools or under mosques, uh, command bunkers, when they finally clear out the nest that is Shifa Hospital and all those uh, facilities underground, I'm sure there'll be multiple videos showing the kind of capacity that they had, that, 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 that Hamas puts right. directly under hospitals, which under the rules of war makes them legitimate military targets. And that's why while you've, while you've got Hamas, doctors who are trying to evacuate babies from the NICU under sniper fire from Hamas. Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing is, is just beyond disgusting. So it's a, a hard go. Israel has taken some casualties. 
Um, however careful you are, it is still extremely rough going when the enemy has not just a 360 threat that they can throw at you, but I would say 720 because it also comes from underneath uh, and it's certainly overhead. They have five, they have 300 and some miles of tunnels underneath all of Gaza, infiltration tunnels that come into Israel, tunnels that move north and south, and in and amongst the uh, the urban areas. Um, Is the idea you know, when Hamas progress in eliminating some of the tunnels? Uh, they are trying and grinding along, but but when you have um, Hamas even even doing their demo videos showing how they're ripping up. Uh, European Union funded water programs supposed to bring clean water for the civilians, but instead they're turning those into, into rocket bodies. You get the level of depravity that you're fighting against. So um, the next thing, all right, so you, first you have to do Gaza city and then Khan Yunus is the next big city in the, in the South. And then uh, Rafia uh, right against the Egyptian border all of those are super dense, super urban. That's probably where the hostages have been moved to because they figure that's where the Israelis will come to last. And it is all a very, very tough slog. And um, and I do not, um, I do not envy the the, the the poor IDF soldiers that have to dig those animals out of those tunnels. So uh, you know we're one. we're we're barely we're maybe fifty days after the attack, the barbaric attack, and here we are. You've got this absurd uh, surge in, uh, you know, pro-Hamas protests across the United States on college campuses, among Democrat leaders uh, at, at the national level uh, here in the U.S. You've got this, the diplomatic pressure is tightening more and more on Israel to ceasefire, to allow humanitarian aid in. Tell me what, where you think this is going in the coming days. Look, it's amazing to me. You have um, the, the 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 malign effect of social media, TikTok, all the rest that is putting lies into people's heads about what caused this, um, and um, and what the proper acceptable action is. Can you imagine if people were calling for a ceasefire uh, after the World Trade Center's dropped? I just I, I can't even imagine what the what the what a, what a New Yorker's response would have been. And yet, you have a lot of people there. Uh, maybe we've allowed too many of the wrong people into America. Um, you know, you have I think there's 0.2 percent of the world's population are Jewish. 25 percent of the world's population are Muslim. The the propaganda being pushed to the Islamic community is exceedingly dangerous, and um, it will cause major societal changes and uh and it's gonna you know you talk about yellow journalism that started world war one yeah it's social media manipulation like this is going to cause much greater conflagrations it is well, exceedingly dangerous the when you when you when you when you when you when you look at when you when you push nonsense into an already really poorly educated clueless um american teenagers and 20 somethings you, you have the recipe for absolute disaster. Well, the absurdity to say that the Israelis have been genocidal against Palestinians when the Gaza population has doubled or tripled in the last decade, it's, it's, it's yes. like the, uh, the theory of the absurd is what we're seeing in the United States. And yet, my concern, though, is that's in concert with the United Nations and pressure from 
uh, European countries against Israel, getting them to back off. You know, we, we you need to take a pause. You need ceasefire. We need humanitarian aid in there. And so my concern is seeing Israel in this impossible position all, under all this pressure. More importantly, what do they give a damn about? They care about 240 hostages and the conflict they're going to be put into to get even some of those hostages back and not all of them. And the, and the soldiers' lives are risk to try to save those hostages properly. Uh, another thing, a, a, an associate of mine confirmed to me this week that thousands of Iranian military-age males are flying to Venezuela, picking up Venezuelan documents, and making their way to the United States as refugees and concentrating in L.A. and New York and Washington and Miami um, with the likelihood that if something, if some greater conflict emerges uh, with Iran, that those surrogates will respond uh, violently inside the United States. As awful as that would be, I think people would finally wake up to the danger that unrestricted chain migration, um, basically what the Democrat Party has unleashed on America, uh, cannot and will not continue. Chain migration without assimilation. That's the policy, and it has been for decades. And it's absurd because we have these pro-Hamas enclaves within the United States, plus this flood of illegal immigrants that are coming across. And, you know, what's ridiculous is you saw just this week in the news, uh, the media had their talking points about, you know, Donald Trump sounds like Hitler. Donald Trump is going to set up detainment camps across the United States for uh, dealing with the immigration crisis. And yet the same media is welcoming people across the border, giving them a phone, giving them a pass and having to show up in court. And now you're reporting to us that that includes able-bodied men from Middle Eastern countries coming across our southern border. Not just from Middle East, from Iran. From Iran. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And yet, Joe Biden has just authorized another $10 billion, uh, a waiver on $10 billion to Iran, or he's considering it right now. And imagine, there, I think there was 36 U.S. troops injured from Iranian drone missile and cruise missile attacks on U.S. facilities in Iraq and uh, Syria um, in, within like 72 hours, uh, within the last three weeks. How, how I, the, the, the um, uh, appeasement just doesn't work. And, and you were seeing all kinds of um, other places. There are going to be new flare-ups that we'll talk about in the next episodes coming that they're on my radar screen because people are calling for help. They're scared. It is lots of regional bully countries in um, rough parts of the world are going to step on their smaller neighbors. Why? Because American credibility and deterrence has faded to almost nothing. And so that it makes for extremely dangerous times. But Eric, most people can't comprehend this funding of both sides of the war. What is what is the influence from the left in the United States that rationalizes continued payments to Iran following this attack on Israel that we know they were behind? What, what's the what's the thought process? Is there a thought process from the American left that rationalizes that? It's the same the same rope a dope um, 
velocity. Look, the, the, so the Iranians produce about 1.1 million barrels of oil per day now. Um, and so the, the Biden administration dropped sanctions on that. And so you have to think about that. That's basically $3 billion a month to feed the Iranian war coffers. And so it's not just the $6 billion or $5 billion that was released for hostages and now another $10 billion that's released. It's a steady stream of $3 billion a month uh, because there's no sanctions. There's no uh, nothing to degrade Iran from doing all this malign activity. Look, folks, uh, this is a really important eyewitness account from Eric Prince having just returned from Israel. We've got more coming right at you in just a minute. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged app bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. We're back uh, with Off Leash with Eric Prince. Remember, folks, you can find us across podcast platforms now. We've got a great partner at Rumble. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, across the board. Find us, share it. Uh, this is the real deal right here. Uh, coming to us uh, from uh, uh, the road right now, Eric Prince is coming across through his UP messenger on the UP phone. Uh, from Unplugged, you can find yours at unplugged.com slash offleash. Uh, and clearly uh, critical for these dangerous times that we're in. This week in Washington, there was the largest pro-Israel gathering in American history. 250 to 300,000 people estimated on the mall in Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, there were some Democrat leaders there. I'll give them credit for that. But it was an amazing rally and rally cry of support for Israel. And some of the comments we saw pushed back heavily, heavily against this notion that there should be a ceasefire, there should be a pause. How about we put pressure on Hamas to release these hostages? So an amazing show of support for Israel, uh, Eric, while you've been on the road. Uh, so you may not have seen it for yourself, but it's heartening to see that support. We've got to build on it. Uh, back to you, Eric, with your observations from the field. I think the ones to pressure is Qatar. You have to focus on the amount of money that Qatar has sprinkled around Washington. They are the single largest external outside. They're, they're the single largest non-U.S. funder of American universities. You wonder why you have so many college campuses Maybe. so woke, nonsense, and uh, and and friendly to Islamic radicalism. Qatar. You think it was so, China? Hmm. Yeah. You know, but, and, and let me ask you, Eric, that's an excellent, uh, excellent point about Qatar. Why should we trust Qatar uh, acting as the go between for negotiations on the release of hostages and a ceasefire? Uh, we shouldn't. I mean, well, they've <laughs> Qatar's provided aid and sustenance to the Taliban. Again, that's where all the Taliban leadership was hanging out and negotiating from. And that's also where Khalid Mashal and the rest of the Hamas leadership uh, hang out in their mansions. So, uh, look, Cutter it, Cutter cynically offers a U.S. base um, to where CENTCOM Forward's headquarters are, and they've lulled DOD into thinking that Cutter is a friendly country. They are they are not. 
and they are not friendly to any kind of Western values. Oh, they, they were the host of the World Cup, right? So they terrific at PR. They've uh, had a massive PR campaign around. around terrific. The world. There was terrific, terrific at bribery, as it's been proven. Ter- mm-hmm. Terrific at bribery, even of uh, of EU officials. There's been a whole bunch of them discovered in Brussels with all kinds of of uh, Qatar cash, uh, bribing them to say nice things about Qatar uh, in the European Union. So look, um, this is. I, I view this attack in Gaza um, at, uh, against Israeli civilians slaughtered in their homes, children um, brutalized uh, and taken away as, as slaves and as hostages. There was a, um, uh, a big music festival where hundreds of kids just hanging out at, a, at an all-night music concert, a rave, slaughtered where they sat, slaughtered where they, where they were celebrating. Um, this is not acceptable behavior. I view this as, a, as an affront to civilization, to any kind of ordered Judeo-Christian Western civilization, and there will be more. And so, um, again, I, I feel, I've said this three years ago, that we're in for another um, a, a redux of the Carter administration and all the foreign policy setbacks we experienced then, and inflation, and then growing unemployment, um, uh, the worst is yet to come. And so buckle up, folks. It's, wow. um, yeah, it's going to get worse. Extraordinary. extraordinary, because you had this battleground state poll that came out uh, recently that showed Donald Trump leading five of the six battleground states. Alarm bells for Democrats. And by the way, published by the New York Times, a Siena College poll, the New York Times did not need to publish that poll, but they did. Why? Because they're trying to push uh, Joe Biden off the ticket. Uh, and it, it ain't happening, folks. Joe Biden is on that ticket to stay. That was his job. He was looking at for 50 years. And that guy is not going to give it up for anything or anybody. He is staying on this ticket. That was clearly an, a desperate act of the left to shove him off uh, with time left before the primaries hit. Uh but look, uh, I, I, listen, Mark, I don't want to tie everything back to politics. I hate that. I wish there was some common sense Democrats in foreign policy positions, but I just haven't seen a lot of it lately. And so uh, yeah, it's I'm exceedingly frustrating to see in this position. <laughs> right? it's exceedingly frustrating to see America get kicked in the head and the teeth and our friends get stomped on all over the place. Enough. Well, but that th- this is unfortunately it does come back to politics because the Democrats put him in there. They're the ones who wanted him in there. And that has wrought this havoc, this disaster across the United States. But let me ask you, looking at it on, in a non-political way, from a policy standpoint, where would you be if you were running diplomacy for the United States? Where would you be applying pressure right now? Would it be through Qatar? Would it be directly with Hamas? What leverage would you use to get those hostages back? Um, there's lots of pressure points that could be applied against Qatar, and lots of pressure points can be applied against Iran. So those are the two most influential friends. You know, when it comes to uh, Hamas, Syria does not like Hamas because when you know, so so Syria not a big fan. Um, they they allowed some of the Iranians to stay because Syria lacked the combat power. Um, at least Iran has been pressured to staying in the sidelines. Um, 
and not attacking Israel from the north because they have almost uh, 15 times the amount of rockets uh, stored in waiting to, uh, to attack Israel from the north. So it is a dangerous time. Um, the, the Iran, so what needs to happen is, um, is to, to foment change in the governance of Iran the same way that the Catholic Church, the CIA, and MI6 did to the communists in Poland in the 1980s, mostly through communications, and eventually got rid of a very bad government, and it, and it dropped the Soviet Union. So that's uh, probably one to talk about on, the, on a future episode. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna exit here shortly, folks. But but Eric, look, I, w- I want to get your last observations. You had a, an incredible journey across Israel, powerful, powerful eyewitness accounts. Uh, what else comes to mind about your interaction with maybe any uh, leaders in the IDF or even just uh, regular citizens, uh, everyday citizens who are living, you know, at this uh, in, in the wake of this barbaric attack from Hamas? I, I applaud the resilience and the pluck of the uh, of the Israelis that will turn to and just do whatever they can to help, uh, even if they're not the greatest shooter or strongest um, um, artilleryman or whatever. They're all finding a way to pitch in and add value, and uh, it's and it's and it's laudable. And it's whether it's uh, Israeli Arabs that believe in their society. Um, uh, so it's not just Jews, it's, it's um, uh, folks of all, of all stripes and, and origin that are there that believe in the society they built and are, uh, are going to make it work. And they're not going to, um, you know, their back might be to the wall sometimes and they will, uh, they will keep fighting until, uh, until they prevail. So when never, you were there. Never, never again mean something to them and they're not going right. to let it happen. Again. Right. And, and, and so you, you were there, you saw it for yourself as, as an eyewitness. Do you sense a certain unity across Israel right now that maybe didn't exist before October 7th? Yeah, they've had a lot of political problems uh, over judicial reforms and, um, and the ultra orthodox and the role of society. Those things are going to have to be solved. And I think um, uh, it's going to make people uh, come down off their high horses and negotiate and, uh, and figure out how to go forward. Because if they don't, if they don't hang together, they're going to hang alone. And, well, uh, and that's, that's, that's an awful and, outcome. And just this week, Netanyahu was pressed on his comments about Israel staying in Gaza as long as it takes to eliminate the threat of Hamas. Naturally, there's panic and an alarm from the leftist media over that comment. What else would be the alternative? I mean, that's reality now after Hamas made this choice, is it not? Yeah, I don't know how they how they reform a society in the Gaza Strip uh, post this uh, this cleanout. But um, the most important thing for now is to kill every Hamas terrorist and their enablers, and be done. Extraordinary. Exit question here, Eric. This isn't just about Israel. It's about Western civilization. Uh, Absolutely. And Iran's role in that region. So it's it, it, as critical as eliminating the threat from Hamas in Gaza. Uh, the threat really does reach uh, across the region. What do you see happening in the coming days in terms of pressure from Iran to draw this into a much bigger uh, regional effort? They, uh, I would say the Muslim Brotherhood and their media enablers at Al Jazeera uh, want this to all be a, a fight between Islam 
and Jews and Islam against Christians. That's what they want. That's the fight they want. So the faster this can be done and cleaned up, um, and uh, look, the, the, the Muslim Brotherhood is the enemy of even the moderate, um, call it modern, uh, Arab Muslim states, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Kuwait, uh, they, the Muslim Brotherhood wants to rule it in a, in an absolute dictatorial fashion. And, uh, and that's the re- and that's the danger. And that's why you don't see, um, those other countries coming off the top rope bashing Israel now because they know, um, um, Hamas is no friend to any of those countries, to any kind of moderate Islam. Well, again, Eric, I, I'll tell you what, seeing your message to me saying that you can't unsee the, the atrocities that you witnessed and observed in the aftermath of the attack uh, by Hamas, uh, just really, really startling to me. Uh, it, you know, extraordinary what you were able to observe for yourself and, and the tragedy just must be just uh, uh, in, unfathomable. Look, it's, it's awful and, and nobody wants that for their people, for their country, for anyone, period. Friend or foe, no one should ever be treated like that. And so I, I, you know, maximum sympathies and condolences to, to the innocent people that lost their lives that day, to the soldiers that have to clean up the mess, and to the civilians that get hurt while the Hamas um, maniacs are hunted down and killed. And so you know, it's, a, it's a bad situation all around, made to happen because Hamas decided on October 7 to go kill as many Israeli civilians as they could, thinking that was a good idea and going to advance their cause. Well, look, uh, the viewers here on Off Leash uh, are, are early adopters of Off Leash with Eric Prince. They are that much more wiser and informed thanks to uh, your point of view from the field, from your extraordinary trip to Israel. Uh, and joining us today, thanks to the uh, UP messenger on the unplugged phone, uh, look, never uh, before has there been such a great threat to our liberties. Uh, and, you know, Unplugged is addressing that one small way. But we're also addressing that through this program. We're delighted you joined us. Make sure you let everyone know. Spotify, uh, the podcast, Apple podcast, uh, YouTube, and our important partner at Rumble. Make sure you spread the news uh, for more of Off Leash with Eric Prince. Until next time, thanks for watching. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.